Welcome to Get Hired in Cybersecurity with your host, Io Adiojo. Need more help getting into cybersecurity? Check out my website at gethiredincybersecurity.com and follow me on LinkedIn for more tips. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Hired in Cybersecurity. Today, we have a very special guest, Thomas Marslin, 20-year 20-plus uh, years experience in the Navy, as well as chairman of the board of VetSec, where uh, he helps veterans transition into cybersecurity. Thomas, thank you so much for your time today. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, first, I just want to say thanks very much for having me. You know, I appreciate the time to talk a little bit about VetSec and how we're trying to help get more military veterans into cybersecurity. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Thomas and uh, I know a lot of our um, some of our listeners are active duty or transitioning out of the military, and this would be a great help to them uh, in terms of getting into the field of cybersecurity. So I'm, I'm glad uh, you know we had time today to speak about this. Uh, I guess for our listeners, um, if you can tell, if you can, uh, can you give us a, a history of your background and, and how you got into cybersecurity? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm definitely not what you would say is your typical nonprofit leader. I'm still active duty on the in the Navy. I've been serving in the submarine nuclear power field for the last 20, 20 plus years. Um, traveled around the world on submarines numerous times uh, from the equator up to the North Pole. Um, happily married, four kids, three grandchildren of my own. Um, backpacker in the in the woods in my free time, and I've been with VetSec for about. Uh, I've been a member of the organization for about two years now, and I've been chairman of the board since June of 2020. And I joined VetSec myself when I found it as a resource for my own transition, getting out of the Navy, which is going to happen in uh, actually just just about two years from now. Um, and really, just ha- it's turned into a labor of love for me and the other four people on the board. Excellent, excellent. Glad glad to hear. And um, I guess for those listening. What would be the process of working with VetSec? Um, What's the experience like? Um, For myself on the board, you know, my my day-to-day outside of my my active Navy job consists really of just trying to find more resources for veterans transitioning to cybersecurity, educate and connect with people that are still in the military and kind of get the word out about VetSec and what we do and then try and interface with leaders in the industry and educate them a bit on kind of the skill sets that veterans bring to the table, um, why it's beneficial for them to hire veterans and and encourage them to help us achieve that goal. Excellent. Uh, I guess one of the questions I wanted to follow up on that is, uh, I guess one, what are some of the challenges veterans face when transitioning from uh, active duty to uh, civilian roles within cybersecurity? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to talk about it. Um, it's it's more than just cybersecurity. Um, you know, cybersecurity as a field is very certification heavy. Um, and in the military, especially in the Navy right now, um, certifications aren't required to work in IT or cybersecurity in the Navy per se. The Navy instructions governing cybersecurity allow service members to hold privileged access to information systems without having certifications as long as they've gone through the service school's training. 
So there could be somebody working as an information security auditor or an information system security officer at a command that doesn't have a CompTIA Security Plus, and they might have the skills that they need to succeed in the industry, but they don't have the paper to back it up. And if they go into the civilian industry, especially to work in, in government, where the DOD, you know, the DOD 8570 governs, you must have these certifications to work these positions, then they're automatically disqualified from that. Um, and that's, that's really not something that we see just in cyber. It's, it's military transitioning to the civilian industry in general. Um, you know, across my career, I've, I've, like I said, I served in the submarine field and we had one unique individual that serves on submarines. They're the independent duty corpsmen. So they're our, they're our healthcare provider when we're on the boat. Um, it's one person all by themselves when we're out to sea and they're responsible for all 130 to 160 of us. Um, through the military, they're trained to do everything from uh, prescribing medicine, performing emergency surgeries if needed, um, and administering life-saving care. They're also responsible for our annual checkups, our health assessments. But same thing in the corpsman field, if they separated from the military, they can't even draw blood because they don't get any kind of civilian licensing or certifications. Um, so that's kind of where I see the, the biggest problem. The, the other things really are, um, you know, there is some discrimination that can come, especially with the war that we've been in for the last 20 years. You know, people see military veterans and they think, uh, not everybody for sure, but there, there are definitely people that think PTSD and, you know, guys with guns and all that, um, that combined with their age when they transition can lead to some discrimination. And then the last thing that I'll touch on is really just a lack of uh, education for the people that are in the military. You know, military members struggle to translate their work experience into civilian terms. Um, it can be difficult for hiring teams that are unfamiliar with the military to understand the skills that they gain with the military, uh, the responsibility, the accountability, and the drive that they're they're forced to have. If they're successful in the military, then they have those skills. Um, those are kind of the big things. And you know, the, the Veterans Administration does a good job with the Transition Assistance Program, but it's a three to five day class. And Military members are taking that class in their last year of service. You know, they're they're still doing their day job. They're looking for a job. They're moving their families to wherever that's going to be. Um, they're trying to navigate the VA healthcare and disability claim uh, whole process. So, really, they don't have a lot of time. And a five day class, while it's great and it does teach them a lot, um, I don't think that they get all the skills they need. You know, a lot of these people have never interviewed in their life for anything. A lot of them have never written a resume. You know, I joined the Navy in 2001, right out of high school. The only job I'd worked before that was at a cafe and at McDonald's. Like, I didn't have those skills and I still don't really have those skills. So I think that's where nonprofit organizations uh, can, can play a large role there. Excellent answer. Yeah, I, I really do appreciate, um, you know, you going from how there's a challenge in, in sort of in there's a challenge in terms of translating the skills gained within, uh, you know, the military to civilian roles where you use that example of the corpsman, uh, you know, really being a lifesaver to over 160 plus um, members and how they can't even draw blood when they get out the military. So 
there, there does seem to be a gap there. And I guess to follow up, um, how does VetSec um, kind of close these gaps for veterans looking to break into cybersecurity? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, one thing that we see is we have a lot of members. Uh, so the, the process of VetSec is, uh, you know, you visit our website at, at veteransec.com. Um, we're really built around a, a community platform. We use Slack, um, and thanks to them for their donation of that platform for us to use. But um, once you join the Slack and you're vetted as as somebody who has served in the military, you'll find uh, a bunch of channels, job listings and discussion, uh, VA benefits, um, some social channels, a lot of technical um, resume and interview advice channels, etc. And we really focus around that community. There's about 3,300 members to date uh, within VetSec. And then uh, we try and, you know, the first thing we see with, with veterans saying they want to work in cyber is they want to work in cybersecurity because it's it's where the money's at or it's cool. Um, you know, it's it's the way that I'm going to be able to work from home. Those, those are kind of the big things. But then when we ask them, well, what do you want to do in cybersecurity? That's where we start getting the, the, well, I don't really know, or I haven't thought about that. So the first thing we try and focus on is educating them on the domains in cyber and really making sure that the skills that they already possess will translate into the one that they're interested in. You know, whether it's GRC or red teaming and penetration testing or cyber threat intelligence, you know, and explain to them what those are. Um, the second thing is we work with partners in the industry to try and provide training resources to them. And one thing we've seen a lot there is that members will sign up for, for everything that they can get their hands on. So, you know, Splunk has a program for veterans where they can go get training on Splunk. Well, if you're going to be a penetration tester, maybe you don't need that. So we tr we're trying to take all those resources that we're able to get um, and kind of build a, a learning path for them so that once they know what domain of cyber they want to go into, we can say, hey, these are the resources that are going to help you build skills focused in that domain. And really our hope is that somebody joins us and by the time they, they kind of go through that process, you know, it, in addition to helping review and revise their resume and giving them interview preparation, um, that really they're going to be ready for that entry-level job so that they don't have a gap in employment. There's also a lot of skills, or sorry, a lot of resources that um, veterans and people still on active service don't know that they have even they even have access to. Um, a lot of service members I talk to, you know, they know about the GI Bill and the post 9-11 GI Bill and how great that, that resource is. But there are other resources out there that they have access to that they don't know. Um, vocational rehab is an excellent resource provided by the VA that doesn't use your GI Bill benefits. Also, vet tech funding, specifically targeting educating service members in technology fields, is another resource as well. And a lot of people just don't know what those are or how to navigate that process. Um, and finally, the, the Department of Defense has the uh, programs called SkillBridge where military members in their last six months of service can actually, with permission from their commander, can uh, go on temporary duty working at a company still paid for by the military, um, but basically do a paid internship with that company during their last six months. And as long as the company has been approved by the DOD and is offering 
the potential for full, full-time employment when that member transitions out, uh, that's probably the, the biggest game changer out there right now is the SkillBridge program. Wow. Yeah. Great, great, uh, great answer. I think uh, one thing uh, that I'm hearing is that there's a lot of information out there regarding cybersecurity and uh, veterans might not know that they're, you know, it's just things that they have access to already uh, that they can leverage to make that transition a lot easier. So it's great that, um, you know, VetSec leverages that and presents that to, uh, you know, those who want to get into cybersecurity. It's, it's great to hear. Um, one thing I wanted to ask too is, what are some of the roadblocks you see with companies hiring veterans? I know previously we talked about the discrimination of, you know, that stigma of, well, there might be PTSD or, um, you know, guys with guns and as well as age. Um, how does, uh, I guess, vets like tackle that issue um, where there, there might be, uh, again, some stigma from companies when hiring veterans? Yeah, I think that, that you hit right on the nose there. Those are kind of the biggest ones that we see that, that we kind of already touched on. Um, really, it's it's education and understanding that the the military does teach them skills that maybe they don't have on a resume. You know, a lot of hiring teams are unfamiliar with the military, so they don't really understand the, the responsibility that those members have. Um, so really, it's, it's just kind of talking to the industry and, and educating them. You know, it used to be that a lot of enlisted members in the military didn't have a college education. That was kind of the, the difference there, right? People would go to college and they would join the military as officers. Um, that's not true anymore. You know, the median age of post 9-11 veterans is 35 now. Um, a third of those have a bachelor's degree or higher. About half of them have some form of college education. Um, you know, it's a pretty diverse group of veterans uh in this day you know um and they all the ones that are working in the industry are working in kind of those professional management roles um production roles stuff like that and just talking to them about what differentiates vets from other people um you know a lot of them come out with with some great leadership skills because in at every level of service they are doing some form of supervising while while still taking orders you know they're they're experienced working on teams uh motivating their colleagues you know they they work with a snapshot of the nation as far as a diversity perspective you know people come from all over the united states to serve in the military the military is one of America's most ethnically balanced employers. So those those people work in that environment all the time. Um, a lot of them come out with an entrepreneurial spirit. There's there's over two and a half million veteran owned businesses right now in the country. So really just educating the industry on the skill sets that veterans bring um, and kind of what the benefits are to hiring them. There's also other benefits, you know, on the diversity side of the house and, and tax benefits and stuff like that for hiring veterans. We don't focus on that as much at VetSec, but really just talking to them about, hey, the initiative that, that these people have coming out of the service is high. You know, they they might not have the certifications, um, and but they do have skills that translate into the jobs and it's it's worth giving them a chance because in most cases 
you know, aside from the first school they go to boot camp and, and their rating school or their job school, after that, everything they've learned, they've taught themselves. So they are self-starters. They have that initiative and it's worth taking the chance on hiring them. Well said. Well said. That's, that's great. Uh, I definitely learned a lot in terms of those statistics of uh, those two million businesses that are owned by veterans and also the uh, educational uh, makeup of uh, uh, veterans as well. Um, and also what you said about uh you know, the military being the most one of the most ethnically diverse uh, places to work in America. It, it's, it's great to hear. And, uh, you know, I definitely do wish that that was, you know, broadcasted, broadcasted a lot more instead of, you know, what we see on the news um, that, you know, veterans are, are uh, you know, a valuable addition to, to any team with the skills they've learned in the military. You know, that including leadership, like you said, um, at every level, um, there is... Uh, some responsibility in terms of uh, leadership and and team building, um, and, I, and I remember this actually when I I uh, was I was actually in the Canadian Armed Forces uh, for a little while, and you know going through training. Um, although I didn't, didn't complete it, uh, it uh, it's quite rigorous. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done, and honestly, uh, if I didn't uh, do that, I wouldn't understand uh, the level of commitment and the ability needed to succeed within the military. Um, so it's, it's great to hear. Um, I guess one thing I wanted to add in too was, do you have any uh, advice for veterans um, who are you know thinking about getting into cybersecurity, don't know what to do? Yeah, I, my biggest advice, especially for those that, are, that have some time, that are still on active service, Maybe they're in the reserves or they're they're considering it um, is start networking early. Um, I have learned more from networking with people in the industry than I have from Google or reading websites or reading books. Um, you know, start as early as you can to learn um, just about the different domains in cyber and what interests you. And I would encourage anybody to not just follow the money or the remote work, but find something that truly interests you because cybersecurity is a very technical field. A lot of people in the industry, you know, get into towards that that phase of burnout. Um, we, we talk about it in the industry all the time. And a lot of their work bleeds over into their kind of hobbyist activities. And it's it's hard, I think, to find a job where you're going to be in such a technical field and be extremely successful at if it's not something that truly interests you. So I would say network early and follow your interests. Well said, well said. Thank you, Thomas. Um, you know, that'll be definitely very valuable for um, those in the military and veterans listening. Um, I, I know uh, I'm gonna circle back to something you said about um, one thing that you offer at, at VetSec in terms of um, guiding uh, those who want to get into cybersecurity on what roles would best fit with their past experience. Do you have any examples of that? I, I, cause the, you know, this is very important. And even for those that are in other fields that want to transition into cybersecurity, there seems to be this consensus that we can only get into penetration testing or being a cybersecurity analyst when there are many domains in cyber. So can you kind of touch on that for, for, one, uh, I guess, uh, veterans or those in the, mil the military listening, 
those in other uh, industries as well as what that looks like in terms of leveraging their past experience uh, to their benefit instead of, you know, doing a, a 90 degree turn to learn something completely different. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll give you an example. We had a military service member just the other day who came in for advice looking at what they would be good at, what interests them. And they had served in the military as a military policeman. Um, we moved them kind of down the realm of uh, digital forensics and incident response because they were very interested in the, investiga the investigatory side of their job. Um, you know, there's, there's numerous fields within cybersecurity itself. Um, myself, in particular, working in Navy nuclear power, um, it's governed by a lot of regulations and we do a lot of auditing and a lot of kind of checks of, you know, these are the requirements and this is where our organization's at. What's the gap between those and how do we meet that? And that's still something that I'm very passionate about to this day. So from talking to my own mentors, because I haven't transitioned out yet, um, you know, the governance, the GRC, the governance risk compliance field in cyber is more something that lines up with, with my realm. There are people that work as cryptologic technicians in the military, as linguists, as translators, um, and they're very interested and they know a lot about, you know, given countries that they still want to kind of leverage that knowledge. And so we'll kind of point them in the realm of cyber threat intelligence. Um, a lot of the programmers that, that join us or that are interested in learning languages, computer languages, um, they get way more into the weeds of you know how an operating system works how to take it apart how malware works and so we'll provide them with resources to go down towards like a reverse engineering or cno development and exploitation um, and then kind of the fallbacks like you touched on with with penetration testing a lot of people uh are interested in that from when they join because um it's the cool thing right there's there's hack the box there's try hack me there's Cybersec Labs, there's Pentester Academy, you name it. There's a ton of resources focused around pen testing. Um, and so we'll, we'll educate them a little bit on, hey, what's the difference between just doing that and a capture the flag? And what what's the day job of a pen tester? You know, there's, there's a lot more to it than the actual attack. There's the report writing. There's the methodology that you have to get behind. And it can be very procedural compliance based still. And then kind of the, the one for people that are coming in with with more of a defensive mindset that want to see the stuff happening in real time, that's more of your blue team. And we'll we'll really try and point them towards uh, like starting in a SOC as a SOC analyst, something like that. Um, one of my friends who's in VetSec came over from uh, being an electrical engineer working at Boeing and in the downsizing there, you know, he worked and taught himself a lot and moved straight into a senior SOC analyst position. So that's kind of the, the big ones. Um, there are some more niche fields, um, you know, pen testing will have its own subdomains of, of cloud network, web app, et cetera. But those are kind of the, the big overall fields and kind of we'll try and look at, Hey, what are you, what, what did you do in the military? What parts of that job did you like or not like? And then try and, fit you into one of those domains aligned with your interests as best we can. Well said, well said. Thank you, Thomas. Um, you know, it definitely is uh, important to uh, just have that confidence in, in past experiences. I feel like a, a lot of 
people who transition really believe that believe they have to start from square one and it can be quite demoralizing because you know that's a long road ahead it's like learning a new language whereas um oh absolutely yeah. um i mean what yeah one piece of advice i i was given uh this was from somebody who worked for one of the large firms out there right now um and this was about 10 years ago i had just finished my bachelor's in it um, but I'd served in a few IT roles in my time in the military already at that point. And when I asked for uh, them kind of where I, where they thought I might fall out after I retired from the military and was looking to move into IT or cyber. Yeah, they told me, well, you better plan on starting at the IT help desk at the bottom because that's just how this industry works. And it's it's just frankly not the case. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, I had that mindset as well, because that's how I started, you know. So it, it, I guess I would be quite biased as to the best place to start, right? Because that's where I started. It was easy for me to, to go that route. However, that's not the case for everyone. And, you know, that message can be harmful because, you know, there's this, there is this general consensus that, you know, you have to know about te uh, technology um, you know, you have to have a, a deep knowledge of technology and then go into cybersecurity. You know, you have to be a network engineer before going into, you know, working on firewalls. But the more I see what's going on, the more I see that's not necessarily the case all the time. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think I think there's definitely something to be said for having the knowledge of those fundamentals, because that is important. But having the knowledge of those fundamentals and spending 10 years in that field before you're allowed to progress to the next one aren't the same thing. That's very true. Yeah. And uh, that's that's kind of the mountain that is uh, that those breaking into the field might be faced with is, you know, how do I gain this experience? And, you know, the de facto or default is, OK, let me just start and start in technology. And, you know, that goal of getting into cybersecurity is just pushed further and further away. Uh, when it, it, it could be really just, you know, very close. Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of resources that are out there today. And even if they're, you know, even if they, they see these resources, like CompTIA is very theoretical, right? Multiple choice tests, read books, pass exams. Um, but a lot of members are doing some very innovative things now, you know, buying a, a used server off eBay and building a home lab and, and doing your own networking and stuff at home and, and documenting that on your resume and learning those protocols and being able to talk about that in an interview, that counts as, as the practical experience and learning those skills. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there was a, one person that, uh, that, that I know, his name is uh, Stuart. He, he, actually, he was in the military as well. And he actually started his own uh, freelance cybersecurity practice and that he used that as experience to get a role. So there's many ways to get that experience that doesn't involve really being hired. Um, you know, well said. Well said. Well, one question I had for you, um, I know we talked previously about um, that certification gap where within the military you learn a lot, but it might not be reflected in terms of certifications uh, in the civilian world. What are your thoughts on this whole idea of, you know, search versus a degree versus hands-on? And, um, yep, that's the question. Um, that's a, that's a good question. I, 
Um, so I'm a little biased. I went to Western Governors University myself for my bachelor's degree, and they are very much an advocate of what they call competency-based learning. So it's not theoretical, it's more hands-on, and it's you take one class at a time and you prove you have the skills, and you could pass a class in two weeks if you already know everything, um, or it could take you six months if you don't. Um, I am very much a fan of got to be careful how I word this. I'm very much a fan of practical experience with hands-on with uh, tech because I think that cybersecurity is a very technical skill set um, until you get into the governance side of it. Now that could be more, you know, your CISSP kind of level material, but uh, the, the technical hands-on, I think that there are great degree programs out there that teach it. Um, you know, if you're going into that CNO development, malware reverse engineering, I think a great place to start is with a strong computer science degree because you're going to have a strong programming background. Um, but I, I shy away personally from just getting theory based certifications. Um, you know, CompTIA is great and it's, it's become kind of an industry standard a bit. Um, but really, I think that it's become that because the government uses it so much and leans on it for, you know, the DOD 8570 uh, instruction and everything else. So I guess my final answer would be I'm, I'm more of a fan of hands-on practical skills. And there are some amazing certifications out there that teach those. You know, on a pen testing side, there's your OSCP is kind of the, the gold standard. There's some great up and coming ones, though. Um, INE and eLearn Security have some, uh, you know, junior pen, penetration tester and pen tester certs. Um, Security Blue Team has a very hands-on Blue Team certification that that will really get you the skills to be a SOC analyst. Uh, I don't think that you need a college degree to go into either of those domains at all. I think that you really need the technical hands-on skills. Understood. Yeah, well said. I I I, uh, I myself went through a, a very practical hands-on program, and um, you know I agree with that sentiment. I, I also may be a bit biased because um, it it really accelerates uh, learning and the and the challenges and and troubleshooting you might have to do uh, within uh, within uh, the context of working in cybersecurity. Uh, things don't always work the first time around. Whereas uh, theoretically, uh, what's right is right, and what's wrong is wrong. So uh, that's a great point. You yeah, made. absolutely. Um, and actually, if I could touch on one more thing, just on my kind of advice back to veterans, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I think we're seeing it more now than before, um, there, but there's a lot of cybersecurity and and IT uh, boot camps that are kind of springing up. Um, while they are great at, you know, quickly teaching people skills that they need to learn, um, my, my advice to anybody, not just veterans that are considering going to those, you know, there are boot camps out there that are saying that they're teaching to CompTIA Security Plus. Um, be judicious in, in what you look at with those because some of them will teach the objectives of the certification that they're promising, but they won't actually pay for the voucher or won't have you actually get the voucher. Um, or, you know, actually get certified. So that if you do that, you're relying on just the name of the boot camp to, to back your resume, not the actual industry certification. Um, and I think that there's a lot of room in those boot camps 
kind of with what we saw with colleges and the for-profit college problem that we've had over the last decade. I think that people need to educate themselves strongly on those boot camps before they wind up spending $10,000 to get a Security Plus certification. They need to educate themselves on what those what skill sets those boot camps are teaching, what the graduation rates from those programs are, how effective those boot camps are at actually getting people jobs. Because I'm seeing a lot of those uh, boot camps where they're they're just frankly not meeting the mark with actually prepping people for jobs in the industry. Yep. Yeah. Well, well said, Thomas. Um, I, you know, I 100% agree with that sentiment um, because. There are a lot of pain points with getting into cybersecurity, right? And a lot of these boot camps can, can promise um, a lot, right? Like you'll get a job and the the carrot on the stick kind of thing, right? Where you get this high paying job, you can work from home. A lot of things that are true, but it might not necessarily uh, be solved. And, and it might not be a one-stop shop to solve all those issues. And I really appreciate what you said about the uh, outcomes, really investigating the outcomes and seeing uh, who graduated from the program and where they are. So uh, that's a great point you make. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the VA has a program called Vet Tech where uh, service members can apply for that and get funding to go to um, a lot of these different schools. And most of them are these boot camps. And what I have found just from my own looking into them as resources to recommend for veterans is a lot of them, um, the funding is all conditional from the VA, right? So the VA will pay for it if they have a certain graduation rate, if they agree to pay back the money, if the veteran doesn't get a job on the back end, stuff like that, all well-meaning things. But the well, some of these organizations, um, I'm not going to say all because there are some great ones out there, but some of them are kind of skirting the rules with that to keep the money that they get from the VA. And they're doing things like hiring their own graduates to be instructors after, or, um, you know, and employing them for a few months. Um, some of them are, are claiming that they have a 100% graduation rate. And well, in my opinion, any anything that's, that's that technically intense and then has a 100% graduation rate is, I think that throws up a flag just, just for myself. Um, so yeah, definitely educate yourselves on on the outcomes of those boot camps and, and how they are being successful. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much, Thomas. And um, I guess one, one uh, I guess uh, last question to, to round things off is, uh, you know, what does it take to succeed? Uh, you know, this could be particular uh, in, and uh, particularly relating to, to veterans and uh, those transitioning, what, what does it take to succeed to get into cyber? Because um, I know it's a, it's a lot, it's a, it's a long game. And uh, I guess from your personal experience and what you've seen, what are some of the qualities needed to succeed? Um, I think they're the qualities that veterans already possess. I think that just a strong drive and willingness to learn uh, will take you most of the way. Um, I think, uh, you know, we military people move from command to command quite a bit and they're meeting new people all the time. And if you think about networking from that perspective, I think applying that drive to just being willing to go out there and ask for help networking in the industry. Um, I have learned so much just from reaching out to people who I don't even know, uh, people who are on LinkedIn, who 
you know, I identify myself as a military veteran and I'm looking to learn more about what they do and and educate myself on the field. And I think that the cybersecurity community is a very close knit field and there's a lot of people willing to help people get into the industry because of the skills gap we have, especially right now. So I think just taking the skills you already have, that drive and that willingness to learn and just applying it to going out and talking to people and educating yourself on the new field that you're trying to get into will take you all the way. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Thomas. Um, yeah, and I guess lastly, is there anything else you want to add for, for listeners? No, uh, the, the last thing I would say, especially for the military people is, you know, um, you're not alone. Um, all of us, you know, I, one, I'm the chairman of the board for VETSEC and I haven't transitioned out of the military myself. Um, but there are plenty of people who have walked these shoes before and gone ahead of us and transitioned successfully and are doing great in the industry. So look them up, reach out to them um, and just realize that if they did it, you can do it too. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Thomas. And uh, I guess where can anyone who's interested in, in VETSEC find more information about you uh, and uh, what you do? Yeah, you can find us at our website, which is veteransec.org. Um, you can also reach out to me, Thomas Marsland, on LinkedIn and connect with me there. Um, on the website, there's a link to join the Slack community. Um, and yeah, look forward to, to gaining new members and, and uh, helping everybody out as best we can. Excellent. Yeah, I'll definitely add those links to the description of the podcast so that our listeners can uh, easily find those and, and, and reach out. Uh, to you and uh, get access to the resources at uh, Veteran VetSec. Uh, so once again, uh, thank you so much for your time today, Thomas. This was extremely valuable to listeners, especially most uh, specifically uh, veterans, which uh, I know are listening. And um, you know, I'm so happy that uh, we got time today to speak about this. Hey, again, thank you so much for having us on. It was truly a pleasure. Of course, of course. Thank you so much, Thomas. You have a good day now.